What's going on, everybody? We are a family of nerds. Welcome back to our podcast, a podcast about nothing. My name is McFly. To my right is Greg Lopez. What's going on, Greg? What's up? To my left is Interscope. What's going on, Scope? Hi. Today we're going to be talking about so the first episode of Winter Falcon. Kind of talk, go into details of the two main characters, Falcon and Bucky, where they're at, where we see them going, and then kind of our overall thoughts on the first episode in general. So let's start with Falcon. Pretty obvious that he's trying to live a normal life. It starts out with him kind of uh, trying to help his sister out, get the business back up and running. He's kind of trying to distance himself from the Avengers. At least that's what I'm gathering. And just trying to be a normal person, be a family guy. I don't have a problem with that, really. I, I think it depends where it goes from there on how I'll feel about it. But, Scope, what's your feeling on, on him trying to live a normal life? I feel like they're just trying to show us a more in-depth of his character and showing us more of his background and stuff with his family and all that stuff. But I also like it because it gives me like a Hawkeye feel too, like the family vibes and shit because all the kids are there and stuff. I don't know. That's cool, man. Actually, like he's one of the Avengers that's like most, I think you said this before, Jeremy, but he's like an, he's like an everyman. Like he doesn't have like superpowers. He doesn't have a crazy traumatic backstory. That we know of, at least. So, it's, you know, he's not like an orphan. He, he has, like, family. They're still alive. He's not. He wasn't frozen for 90 years. He's not a billionaire. You know, like... Right. He has, like, normal everyday stuff to, like, go back to. I did think it was kind of weird that he has really close ties with this family. We weren't really given any, like, indication about this from, from anything that I saw in the movies. Like, I didn't know he had like family in uh, New Orleans um, that kind of just surprised me. Like all of a sudden he has like this uh, association with like a boat and shrimping or whatever. And I was like, um, or maybe I'm thinking of Bubba Gump over here, yeah. but <laughs> if he survived the war, maybe, maybe there is no shrimp reference, but <laughs> I was just surprised. Like I was like, Oh, okay. I guess he has a family. He doesn't just run on the weekends in DC for his whole life. I think that's kind of what they're using these first couple episodes for is to give a little bit more backstory on Falcon, especially. So yeah, yeah, I was no idea his family owned a boat or sold shrimp or whatever. So I'm with you on that one for sure. But that's good. I mean, like I said, we kind of need a backstory. We need to get closer to these characters to feel for these characters. So that that's I, I'd expect that from the show. It makes him more relatable. 100%. That goes along with what Greg was saying <laughs> that I said, um, that, that he's kind of an everyman that that makes him super relatable, right? Um, yeah. I think Falcon, because of that, is making him more of a popular Avenger at this point because he can be, I can be Falcon minus the pigment of my skin. He's saying it's Falcon better watch out. TMG don't get a hold of that fucking video of Ant-Man whooping his ass. <laughs> it's going to be bad, bro. It's going to be bad. TMZ going to put him on blast. <laughs> I'm sure they're going to mention that. They're going to make a joke out of it for sure. I'm, I'm hoping at least. They brought it up in Civil War. I remember that. That's true. Yeah. They did. He was like, nothing happened, man. Move on. Let's get out of here. We got to help Cap. More important things. Don't look at me. Didn't he also like get beat by Spider-Man too? He's getting like uh, jumped by everybody. Look, dude, he's like a Rocky, bro. Just getting his ass beat. Yeah, dude. But Rocky comes back and beats beats them back. So it's fine. Obviously, this show, I think the main dynamic is going to be Falcon dealing with either being pressured or having to become the next Captain America, right? Already, he's getting pushed deeper into what I'm calling the rabbit hole of becoming the new Cap. Um, you know, the, the, the episode ended with the, you know, the crowning of the new Cap, right? And I think 
I didn't say anything, but just by the look on his face, I feel like he is almost regretting not having decided to take up the mantle. He looked he looked like he was kind of um, regretting the situation as it unfolded. I mean, I thought it was pretty messed up that the guy, as he is crowning the new cap, pretty much steals his speech. Uh, the one that uh, Sam said when he was giving the shield back you know he like takes like word for word like takes a bunch of it and is like we need new heroes here this guy so so i I feel like that was like a huge like slap to the face like for for sam because that was like a that was a pretty like i think heavy moment for him and it was probably really difficult for him to pass up on kind of taking this promotion or or this this new position coming from cap you know like he's like yeah you're the guy take the shield go do the thing and He's like, no, it's not right. And they hand it to just some random guy. So I think they they pretty much set it up. It's like on a collision course now. I am curious about the fake guy. I have like a thought on who it might be, but I'm not sure. I think uh, in WandaVision, I had some thoughts on, on people being more than just humans and they ended up just being humans. So we'll see. I think that it's almost noble. Sam doesn't want to be Cap. You know, he almost feels like he's not strong enough or he's not the right person for it. And I think that is kind of ironic. I think that thought makes him kind of the best person to be it. He understands how important that symbol is. He understands how important Captain America is, not only to the people, but to the Avengers. And just the symbol that he is, he knows how important it is, and he doesn't feel like he fits that bill. I think because of that thought, because he believes that, that he is the one that fits the bill. So it's kind of ironic the way that that works out i feel like he's feeling very pressured to be capped especially now like they just give it to some they give it to the guy who's gonna be silver surfer probably silver surfer is always dude he's always gonna show up there needs to be an over under counter on here of how many times you mentioned silver surfer every every episode <laughs> if it's over five we get a pizza party <laughs> over five i'm fucking dead Taurus. <laughs> <laughs> Following along with the pressure to become Cap, I want to real quick talk about Torres because if Sam becomes Cap, there's going to have to be somebody stepping up to become Falcon, right? I mean, I think he's important enough to the Avengers that there would need to be a replacement. Pretty obvious that Torres in the comics was Falcon for the over amount of time. In fact, I think right now there's an issue running with him and he's in the show. So obviously, he's at the very least going to be Sam's kind of sidekick. I hope I can think so. If Sam does become Cap, whether it's during the show, at the end of the show. I think it's safe to say that Torres will be Falcon. That one seems like the most straightforward yeah, of, it's, of it's, uh, any guesses we can make, just because yeah. it's like the name matches and everything. And yeah, I, I wouldn't have even known that if you didn't mention it when we were watching it. You're like, oh, yeah, crap, Torres. I, I was either. like, I didn't know. I had no idea. So the origin storyline things. I mean, in the in the comic, the the villains in the story were like being people that were like crossing the border in Mexico. They were just like grabbing people and then like experimenting on them. And this kid gets caught up in all that. And they just kind of like are turning them into like human animal creations. And Torres gets the vampire hawk blood. And so he like legit turns into like a bird person. <laughs> yeah. So he like has wings and whatnot. It's kind of nuts. So like I legit falcon as opposed to yeah. wearing a suit. Spider-Man version of a falcon, essentially. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The one where he like produces his own web from his own mm-hmm. body. Like that kind of style. Yeah. I don't think it's going to go down that way. I mean, they've got the suit. It's probably easier for them to just hand off a suit and be like, learn how to fly with this thing. I don't know that that's the only uh, storyline with Torres becoming the Falcon, but that, that was just the one that, that I had seen. I thought it was kind of intense, man. I'm like, So he's like a vampire bird person. It's kind it's of kinda nuts. 
It's kind of nuts. Yeah. What, what can you do? Will you die in the sunlight? I don't know. Curious. <laughs> Character development between Bucky and Falcon. I want to bring up something real quick. I'm pretty positive when it comes to Marvel. Because we're doing this podcast, I've become a little bit more more critical. And I'm going to do this for both Falcon and Bucky. We don't have a lot of context in the first episode. So like like I said before, it's more so character enlightenment for the audience of who Bucky is and who Sam is because we don't really have a lot of background story. My opinion is that this show so far is a tale of two shows. Bucky's story, while a little bit more straightforward than Falcon's, is being really well done. I think Sam's is very, very rushed the way they're doing it. I'm a big fan of character development, and I think the way they're going about his character development doesn't really... Something's off with the flow or something, I don't know, but I don't know if it was the way some of the scenes were directed or, or what, but it's throwing me off to the point where it's not almost believable in some of the scenes to me. The way he, the way his character reacts and the way decisions he makes doesn't make sense. One of them being him going to the bank <laughs> that you mentioned, Scope, about assuming he would get a loan because he's an Avenger. Like I, I don't know. That, that was kind of weird to me. I think it's kind of showing that he's not a immune to that stuff just because he's an Avenger, but I think they could have gone about that a different way. The other thing, I don't think he assumed because he was an Avenger, like I think he was hoping that would help him, but he said he knew that he would qualify for a loan. The rules had changed. I, I think for me, it's the the main thing about it that, that kind of throws it all off is that like I wouldn't have expected him to have such like a close-knit family that he like never brought up at all. Like I, I, I just wish they would have mentioned it like one time. Like maybe, maybe I missed it in the movies. If he had ever been like, I have family back home. I need to like go chicken on them. The way that he, he kind of like rolled with a cap so quickly, almost like he had nothing else in his life. But now we're finding out that he has plenty to live for. That's the biggest thing for me about that. The why I'd, why I'd agree with what you're saying. I think the way that they're using the two characters is kind of like showing like Falcon has like a lot going on in his life and Bucky has like nothing going on in his life. So, I mean, not nothing, but like it just by comparison, like he doesn't have as many people leaning on him or people that he could like really help. He just kind of has his list. So I think that's a good point, too, is that we we had like the transition from the movies to the show for Bucky is pretty straightforward. I mean, you would expect him to be dealing with the guilt and all that stuff. But for Falcon, it's almost a completely brand new thing that we're learning about him. That and Maybe that's what it was that threw me off. I just yeah. think because of that, they have two different pacings for the characters in the same show. And it, and I think that's why it's like the tale of two shows. I almost feel like if they, if, if they did like one episode of Just Falcon or one episode of Bucky. This is just my personal opinion. I mean, it could be different for you guys. That's kind of my whole thing on that. Fake Captain America. Let's talk about the fake cap. Scope, you'll obviously have more input on this, but don't give anything away. We found out at the end of the first episode that they essentially assigned, voluntold a new Captain America, basically behind Sam's back. That was kind of the big reveal at the end. Douchebag. There's a lot of impending questions here uh, leading into the second episode. We don't know who this person is. Greg, you said you had an idea, depending if it's following the comics or not, who it could be. You know, what questions I have are, you know, is this person a regular, normal human being? Is it powered person? We don't know. This um, imposter is. Well, from a couple of things, like I think there's this guy, John Walker, or he's also like the, I think he's like called the Patriot or a US agent um, in the comics and stuff, and that he's involved in Captain America and Falcon's story and such. And so this kind of makes sense that he might be this kind of like imposter person. Right. And so if it's that guy, 
then from what I know, he'd be, he, he'd have like superhuman strength. And I forget his deal exactly, but I, I think he, he kind of had some like beef with uh, Captain America. Like he didn't like him. He wanted to be a better version of him or something. So he would follow like government orders a lot more. He wouldn't really be an ally, but I think that changes from time to time. I think uh, if it's that character, uh, he's kind of like, he's like a dude with anger issues. Right. And so he like, he wants to do the right thing sometimes. And sometimes he's kind of just out of it. A douchebag. <laughs> so he's just kind of a, a wild card given the chance to take over the mantle. He, he would have done it from what I know. So that's kind of what I think with that guy. The, this could also be Marvel kind of tricking you like the, the, the bait and switch thing like you guys were saying before. Yeah. It could be just some normal, regular guy that that's like yeah. literally like Iron Man three, the Mantis style, like status. Like I'm an actor, <laughs> I have no powers. This, you think he's gonna be Silver Surfer? I do too. <laughs> God damn it! the The thing with thing with the Mantis is that was like a huge, huge, huge character in the comics. Oh, that the, they, they just kind of like joked around with. Yeah. Ultimately, it's like if they took Thanos and they like showed Thanos a bunch and then they're like, oh, no, this is just some little six year olds with VR, like essentially is what I would equate it to. Right. There was a lot of people that mad sucks. at that, but I don't think it's going to be like that. I'm, I'm just curious. And like, I don't is he going to end up being a full on enemy to Sam? Is he going to end up helping him? That's kind of my biggest question. You know, everybody can start off one way and end up another way. Winter yeah, Soldier is the biggest Bucky right there. Yeah. 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 Bucky's always been a fucking swell guy, though, man. He's always been a cute little man, dude. Like, he's just been this lovable guy, man. He's always been swell. You remember when he stopped him from whooping Captain America's ass, dude? Like, he was just so loving, dude. He gave him the Care Bear stare, bro, and they just ran off. Bucky Barnes. Kind of not a lot going on here compared to Falcon, right? It's kind of a continuation, like I said, of the movies. He is obviously dealing with the guilt from being Winter Soldier. He's still having flashbacks. I think the most important thing that I saw... Oh, he's going to therapy, uh, which I thought was kind of the most comedic part of the whole show, ironically, was him in the therapy sessions and not taking it seriously. (laughs) But the thing we found from that is... Yeah, the thing we found from that is he has a list of... Essentially, people he's wronged, right? And that I don't necessarily want to say he wants to make amends with because there's a couple people on that list who are not good people. So I don't really necessarily know he wants to make amends. I think it's more so he wants to get past what happened with those people. So whether that means make amends, whether that means having a conversation, but he has a list. I think it's really good to see him in therapy. He needs it. He's been mind controlled. The motherfucker needs some type of therapy. So I'm, I'm glad to see this motherfucker is getting help, man. He needs something, bro. If it's not Jesus, it needs to be fucking Mary, bro. And she needs to be giving him that good old talk. Yeah. So plus his comedy, man, it just shows more of his like character, man, how, how unique he is in a way and how mature he is to to deal with so much and go through so much and just to be this like strong character still, you know, 100 percent. Yeah. And I think him not taking it seriously is, and being like funny about it is him not really wanting to deal with it. Kind of, again, ironic, right? Yeah, I think it's kind of interesting you point out like the lists. I noticed that it, that it seemed like there was a list where it was like people that he probably wants to like go kill. <laughs> and then people, uh, there seems like there's another list where it's like people that he feels like extremely guilty. People for. that he has killed. <laughs> 
Or it's yeah, yeah, it's like like there's there's kind of like a list of villains almost, and then seemed like the the other list that we saw later is probably the one that where he is to like actually mm. use those like therapy techniques that uh, yeah. totally wasn't using in that one scene. So um, the three rules. Yeah, he broke all of them. <laughs> yeah. I think the best way to describe it is like, well, technically he did the third rule. He just didn't follow the first two, so it didn't matter. Um, mm-hmm. I think the best way to describe the list is like a list of unfinished business. That could mean a lot of different things, right? Instead of it just being like paying amends. So I think that's kind of how I would how I would word it. Marcus list. I'm going to do it really quickly. Who was on the list? The, the names that popped out to me was Helmet Zero, Zemo, obviously, because we all know he's going to be the main villain in this and what he did in Civil War. Him being on this list is why I say it's not about making amends, it's about unfinished business. He's the guy that mind-controlled him, he's the guy that used him as a weapon against the Avengers. Dr. Kuznetsov, this is again in the comics, but it's Soviet scientist. He was in the Marvel Universe during the Cold War, he created a sentient robot. Remember, sentient beings are important for X-Men. So keep that in mind. Uh, and the purpose of that robot was to help them win the space race for the USSR. Um, after he wasn't backed by government superiors, he secretly funneled resources from the regime to send the robot to the moon, where he became, later became a problem for Tony Stark in the comics. So maybe he could be somebody who of importance and end up being in like Secret Wars, possibly. Or what was that? The Armor Wars? Whatever that Armor Wars? Yeah, Armor Wars. Another one is A. Rostov, which is short for Andre Rostov. He was, in the comics, he was Red Barbarian. It could also just be a reference to Andre Rostov, who was a completely different character, but not as important in the comics. These, again, these could just be random names that they chose to kind of pay homage to the comics to and could have nothing to do with the storyline. Yeah, sure. So, But these are ones that yeah. kind of stuck out. P.W. Hauser was on there. I believe he's just a co-star in one of Sebastian Stan's movies that he wanted to pay homage to, so they put his name in the, in the show. So those are kind of the most important ones. But everybody on the list, A. Rasta, P.W. Hauser, F. Ganog, I. Talazar, Helmet Zero, N. Henriksen, N. Sari, T. Osman, L. Kaminsky, M. Kaminsky, Kuznetsov, S. Whitaker, Nakasima. I think Nakasima was the kid that he killed, that he's talking to the old man at the restaurant. I'm sure that's him. And then C. Holbein. So those are all the names. I personally don't know all of those names. I know I mentioned the ones that I do know. Oh, yeah, because one of, one of the ones that uh, was on there that I thought was kind of tight was the Steve Whitaker, which was like um, the guy that made V for Vendetta yeah. or something. But he also he did something with Winter Soldier, Captain America, and uh, John Walker, the U.S. agent. I feel like uh, we're like Charlie Day drawing like all those like lines. <laughs> <laughs> trying to like guess the future i mean who knows if this pans out right but it's just like another reason just to think maybe yeah like i said i think most of these are just names that they need to fill out and they're like let's be clever about some of them i don't yeah. necessarily think most of them are going to be important but it, it is marvel so if we learn anything from wandavision it's think simpler <laughs> that's what i'm gonna just go with that these are not too many of them are important those are all the names that were on there Kind of a breakdown of that. Let's go back to him not taking his therapy seriously. I kind of want to dive into that a tiny bit more. I, I think the problem that he's dealing with is that his specific situation is a little bit different than than standard medicine can probably assist him with. Yes, he's human and it's all about kind of 
psychological turmoil, right? But he's also, what is it, 117 years old or whatever it was? 106 or something? 106, right? Yeah. And he was mind controlled. And I don't I don't necessarily know if there's a part in medicine there where you can kind of help people get through mind control. So I kind of think he's smart enough to know that he might not be 100% be able to be helped. But I think he's not even doing himself any favors by not taking it seriously. And I'm sure that'll be brought to the forefront. It's just him not being able to deal with his pain and his guilt. They're forcing him to do it. They are forcing him to do it. Part of the pardon. Yeah, he don't want to be there. He don't want to talk to her. He's man, she be threatening him all the time with the like, whipping out the notebook and shit. He's like, "Oh, you're gonna do that shit again, huh? <laughs> you got you gotta jot down some notes about me. Like, all right, bitch. I see how it is. <laughs> you know, like yeah. he's all threatened. It's like, okay, cool, chill. Okay, I'll talk." Like, yeah, I dreamed about puppies last night, okay? Interesting, the kind of different angles you can take on that. You could go into the psychological warfare that he's going through and all that stuff and talk about that for days, but I just think that that's pretty interesting. The other thing I thought was cool, kind of coming across this on the internet, kind of diving deeper into the show, was the hints that Bucky might be bi. I thought this was interesting, kind of because it was a little bit, it's a little bit more subtle as opposed to, how do I put it? A lot of other media outlets try to kind of make it extremely obvious and almost kind of shove it in the face of viewers. This is kind of a little bit more subtle, which either way is fine. Just this is kind of different. Greg, you kind of had a little bit more input on this, but the article I found kind of talked about little things he's saying, like he's tried online dating and the, he couldn't get past some of the tiger pictures. I just thought that was a weird way to segue into thinking that he might be bi, but obviously the article kind of goes into detail. I, I definitely was like, Man, that seems like a stretch for sure. But as I read the article, it was pretty good. It, it was just pointing out that the prevalence of people taking photos with tigers uh, was typically with like guys doing that. And so if he's looking at photos and he's seeing a lot of tiger pictures, uh, selfies with tigers, that it's most likely that he's looking at guys. Forget the the other thing I think that they brought up was just like his relationship with Cap. Is it fully like just two friends, heterosexual, just friendship or whatever? Or was there were there any other like deeper feelings that either of them felt that none of them really like did anything with? I think they also kind of pointed out Marvel was kind of slow to like introduce any any uh, characters from the LGBTQ community. That I think they they named, they said there was one. It was very subtle in Endgame, and it was one of the directors. The yeah, Russo brothers played. It was for like literally like five seconds in the um, what do you call it the 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 help group. Yeah, that I think group. Cap was leading. Yeah, where everybody was like, oh, he yeah. talks about going on a date. Yep, and uh, yeah, that's it though. That's that's like the the only gay person in the entire MCU universe. <laughs> Quick footnote, and I didn't really understand this part of this but he asked um rdj how to like go about playing that small part and why he would ask rdj i'm not really sure but i think it's it's cool that they kind of played around with that to see just to kind of put them in there i mean look this is real life like they're trying to make these appeal to everybody whether it's for money whether it's just for be able to appeal to everybody to stay away from that group is something I think that has been going on for a long time. And I do think they need to be more represented. That's a whole nother conversation that we could have. I have that article up in front of me. The other thing they brought up, and I think you kind of touched on it. They talked about Sharon Carter and how Civil War struggled to force her chemistry with Steve because he was too busy chasing Bucky. It's not a show about a bunch of people who all kissed Captain America and really miss him. But it goes into a little bit of detail here, basically saying that 
it wasn't just him worried about his friend. It's almost like Sharon had to fight for Cap's affection because his affection was more closer to Bucky. And they had, they talk about the that maybe the only step towards Marvel being corporately comfortable with queer people in their franchise was Joe Russo's cameo as a sad gay survivor in Avengers Endgame. So they mentioned that in this article too. But yeah, I totally I did I thought that was a really interesting take on it and something that I think uh, it definitely wouldn't put it past uh, Disney to be putting that in there. For sure. I mean, I think it's cool to have that representation there. And hopefully it kind of sets the, opens the door for more of that to, to show up in these shows and in the movies. So I think obviously besides the, uh, this imposter cap, the kind of the main cliffhanger here or what's left to be answered is how Bucky and uh, Sam are going to be coming together. Cause besides the trailers from the, from the show, we haven't seen them actually so um, I'm kind of curious how they're going to come together. I'm going to assume that the Flag Smashers are probably going to be one of the reasons, if not the reason. You know, they're going to have to fight this this entity, right? But we're not even really sure, or I'm not really sure, if they're going to be villains in this, if they're going to be, if they are villains, if they're going to be the main villain. I think right now they're viewed as villains, but I don't think they're villains. Honestly, I don't think they're villains at all. Yeah, I mean, th- in the first episode what's going on with them for sure is not good but we don't know their motivation yet they stomp on uh, Torres's face so they didn't kill him they're not super friendly they didn't kill him (laughs) so motivated so they're not necessarily evil right (laughs) we obviously saw in in that episode as well that some of them have powers whether they all do i don't know they definitely have some type of super strength they seem to be like some sort of like radical group because that's how they get introduced Torres is saying in the internet random parts of it somehow finding these things the main thing that they talk about is a world with no borders apparently that's not you know it's like the full truth uh, apparently of what their group wants I could see them being like promising like a more democratic like world but really just shooting for anarchy so that they could set up whatever it is that they're trying to do with the main guy the main right. uh, helmet zero so I, th- I think maybe he's just this is like kind of smoke smoke and mirrors, smoke and mirrors. having people just run around and it looked like they robbed a bank and then uh, mm-hmm. beat up a couple people and just did i feel like that's normally like a setup for something bigger i don't know how sam is going to get involved with bucky because it seems like they have each other's number they respond oh. bucky's not responding you know so yeah um i wonder if he'll call him and like maybe he'll finally pick up or you know i, I don't know how they're gonna run into each other again i think it's bucky who wants to kill and deal with his own stuff for now but we'll see I, I i'm curious to see how they get together too hopefully it's not like this whole thing is just character building between the two of them and then like the fifth and sixth episode the last two episodes is when they get together the last thing i want to talk about is uh the tone of the show so obviously the tone of wandavision was super super dark um which i liked by the way it's very different for Marvel and uh, DC fans can hate me, but I think they did it better than DC. Um, that's not that's not fair. I think they did it better in WandaVision than DC has done it for most of their movies. Obviously, The Dark Knight, which is probably one of my favorite superhero movies, to be honest, was yeah. super dark, but well done. Super well done. So this show is still has dark tones to it, definitely, especially with Bucky's side of things. Also silver, silver tones. <laughs> It still has the comedy that we're used to from Marvel, right? Especially with Bucky in the therapy session and Falcon with his wings. <laughs> so I, I think... And a lot of action, too. There's a lot of action, which is cool because yeah. I'm a big action head. And I know you are too, Greg. So uh, it's cool to see that, to kind of bring that from Winter Soldier. 
I think transitioning from WandaVision, though, it, it was kind of a little bit of like of a culture shock almost, especially with how the last few episodes of WandaVision was intense and very philosophical and very emotional. Yeah, it was like a lot of emotion there. I mean, we had two weeks to kind of desaturate, but us doing this podcast and almost having a full week to 10 days of discussing it, I don't really think we had a lot of break from that. Comparing Winter Falcon to WandaVision. In comparing it to WandaVision, I want your guys' opinion on this. This first episode comparing to the first episode of WandaVision, I think it's 10 times better. That's not saying much, just because we didn't know what we were watching. Context matters, right? Uh, and in the first episode of WandaVision, we had no idea what was going on in that universe. Yeah, I had no fucking clue. That's why earlier when I was saying we don't know the context, before I started ripping apart the story with Falcon, I said we don't have context right now. It's kind of unfair to say it's a bad story because we don't have context. And with the same thing with WandaVision... Without context in that first episode, it was kind of a letdown. I think this episode of Winter Falcon, by the way, we will be calling that moving forward. I'm not calling it anything else. <laughs> the first episode of Winter Falcon was leaps and bounds much better than WandaVision's first episode. But again, we'll see how where it goes. I loved it. I think it was really put together and the way they open up with all the action and shit. I like it. Yeah, that's that's always good to like get you sucked in is to start off with a cool action sequence, right? WandaVision, I was like, what the fuck is going on, dude? Is this, like, the whole show? Like, what Yeah. What kind of I love Lucy vibes is this shit? Like, what the... I actually think old it was school Dick Van Dyke. On a fucking rowboat or whatever, a tugboat? Or, like, bro, what? <laughs> yeah. It was, it was super weird. Like, it was so weird. I, the fir- the, not even the first ep- The first two episodes dude, yeah, of Wanda. I've, I... I started it, I think, a couple weeks late. It's harder for me to do that whole, like, compare the first episode. Because, like, I watched the first, like, two or three episodes, like, in one go. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. That whole bit, though, was, I was like, oh, it's it's going to pick up, though. It's going to pick up, though. But if I was, like, if I watched the first episode and then that was it, I would have just, but how do you, why would you end it here? Why wouldn't you do more? Why are you yeah. doing it like this? Yeah. Um, but I think all in all, like, it's starting off so weird. They, like, went, like, full into it. It felt like a bit, but mm-hmm. they just went, like, fully into it and then, like, showed you how, like, it's a part of this story. This really crazy, like, magical story that centers around. It, it made it that much better because I feel like when you're comparing two things, you know, like, dark and light, like, the, mm-hmm. the darker, the darker, the brighter, the light, like, the bigger the difference, the easier to, to make the comparison. So when you start with such a confusing and weird and kind of, like, a gimmicky beginning... And then you turn it into a really well done story. The appreciation for that story, it, it grows tenfold. Starting with a bang like this one did, Winter Falcon, they, they're going to have to ratchet it up to have yeah. the same kind of effect. I think too, the, the difference here is WandaVision, they, they wanted to make it to where you were confused and intrigued. And I think looking back on it, those first couple episodes were like, yeah, I want to see more. I want to know why this is happening. Why, why are we in a sitcom from the 50s? What's happening? I think in this show, there's not really a lot of mystery as it compares to that. So it's kind of like, yeah, here's some action for you. This is where we left off with, with uh, the Winter Soldier movie. I, I think that makes sense. The themes of both make sense to me. So I, we only have two two shows right now from Disney Marvel to talk about. So I figured comparing those two right now is, is kind of cool because they're in the same universe, but they're also their own entities. So I thought that was pretty cool. I do go on social media to see how people react to these things just because we are not the only three people watching this. There was obviously way what? more. Yeah. What? We're not the hey. only people in the universe? <laughs> That's crazy. Um, 
there was all, obviously way more people talking about WandaVision just because of, like I said, the mystery and the unknown. The, the unknown. There's not a lot of talk on this. There's been a lot of people who really love WandaVision that don't like this show so far. And there's a lot of people that like this show much better than WandaVision. The note that I wrote here, they are different styles and different tones. And not everybody likes every tone. It's all about preference. Mm-hmm. I think... All three of us are pretty much to different types of tones and stuff. I like action movies. I like comedies. I can do the occasional rom-com. Like, I'm pretty open to like fantasy, sci-fi, all that stuff. There's a lot of people who like one thing. So just like everything in life, not everybody's going to like it. But I think overall, this was the first episode was good. I think I'm going to like the show. Um, it's going to be action. It's going to be it's going to be a character development show, which is my favorite thing in anything is character development. You'll hear me say that over and over again. So yeah, I'm stoked for the show. I'm stoked to see episode two. Any points you guys want to add before we end this episode like I, I didn't think it made too much sense to compare the show to wandavision because they're so different it's like comparing like different genres of music it's a different. if you like if you like one not really any indication that you might like another that's like completely different so it's it's literally it's literally like apples and oranges but they're both fucking i would fruits. say so so uh-huh. yeah so fruit and fruit is to apples every- and oranges as marvel disney is to wandavision and, and winter falcon <laughs> So that's kind yeah, of what I'm like, getting at. It's like, these are the it, only two shows we have. Is Disney so far, Disney Marvel doing a good job of creating shows? So far, it seems like they are. I think so. I think so. It's just that the, the what I wasn't saying like it doesn't make any sense. It's just more like to say one is better than difficult. the other. Is, yeah. is really just saying like, what is your preference? Like, do you prefer action or do you prefer like, like a tragedy, like emotional drama piece? It's not even just like a question of like, what's your preference as a person, your, your, your palette, but like, what are you in the mood for? Sometimes you're like, I want to get really sad. So let's go watch this thing that makes me really sad for some reason. Or, or you're like, no, I want to see somebody punch through a wall. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think it's kind of like it depends on the day. I agree. That's why I wanted to like make the last point about preference. Like there's so many people comparing yeah. the shows. It's two different shows with two different tones and the two different genres yeah, and Yeah. I mean it, it all falls within like, you know, the MCU and whatnot, but it's like I think the cool thing about the shows is that I mean the, again there's only two of them, but they are very, very different. Whereas the movies, while you know, Guardians of the Galaxy is sci-fi and Winter Soldier is pretty much an action movie. They're all pretty much the same tone. They do have different tones movie to movie, but they're all, they all pretty much have comedy in it. They all have the same underlying Marvel tone, if that makes sense. I feel like these shows have very different, they're much different than the movies are from movie to movie. I think that's interesting too. Maybe I'm forgetting just because there's been 20 million movies and... I I think some of them are pretty different. Like, I think some of them are like pretty much a comedy with some action and then some of them are like action with a little bit of comedy it's the same formula with different with different portion sizes like yeah but that's kind of the same deal here though wandavision was funny and then it was like really like heart-wrenching and then there was some action so if you're gonna say like they all have the same components like well that that's gonna pretty much be every movie or every piece of entertainment but it's like what what did they rely on the most what what's like the theme that strings it all together and stuff like that because I don't know, I feel like Guardians, Ant Man, even Spider Man is kind of like they're more funny than yeah. the, than super super like action packed. And then like um, you know like the Thors, Ragnarok to the other ones. I don't know. I, I think that there is kind of like there's a wide range within uh, what exists and stuff. I think the good news about all this is th- they're really nailing it with the TVs. I, the the more that they explore and expand, it, it really is like they're trying to make something not. They're trying to make a one size fits all, but they're trying to put something out for each right. person. You know, like, right. oh, 
if you don't like that, you can watch this over here too. Very, very different. No, I, th I think it's cool. They have a little bit more hours to work with and kind of dive deeper into character development and, and story and, and all that stuff. Uh, that you can't really do in a movie unless you're the yeah. Snyder Cut. That's yeah. all I had. That's all I had for this. I'm excited to see what's going to happen. I'm excited for the show, all the shows that are coming up and the movies. I'm pissed off that they delayed <laughs> Black Widow from May to July, but that's two months. It's fine. We are a family of nerds. This was our podcast about nothing on Winter Falcon episode one. My name is McFly. To my right is Greg. Up. And to my left is in her scope. Adios, turd nuggets. Bye. Falcon wings. So